to the ground. We're back. Another week. Another great guest. We got Tim Casher of The Good Life and Cursive on the pod. What's up, Tim? Hey, how are you? We're great. How you doing? Nice. I'm 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 well. Thank well, you. In, in the little pre-roll, we 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 discussed that we're we're scattered across this great nation. You're currently in Tinseltown, as it's to be known. Yes, yes. How's that a uh, writer strike affecting your life? Are you you back to work yet? <laughs> it, it's um it's all around my neighborhood. I'm in uh, I'm right here in Par- at, like Paramount's around the corner. So oh wow, um they're out they're everywhere. That's pretty cool. Actually, you honking at them? You giving them sandwiches? I honk them. I honk. I honk away. <laughs> you gotta honk them. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, I saw friend of the pod, uh, Chris Gethard, was out on the picket line today. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, nice. mm-hmm. Very cool. The uh, I might go see him on Friday. He's he's performing in uh, at the public hotel, I believe, uh, this Friday night. So that'll be fun. I'll tell him. Hey, answer our emails. but yeah tim so big shit happening in in your neighborhood in terms of uh well your musical career but you just announced a bunch of tours you're uh you're busy uh yeah yeah i guess um uh yeah we just announced uh the good life hasn't really been doing anything for quite we put a record out in uh, I think the year is 2015, but it could have been 2016, possibly. Um, and we did a lot of touring then, and then it really been dormant ever since. Uh, but we were going to... Um, the pandemic made us dormant, was part of it. So we're doing, um, a, ha- we're doing um, a West Coast and East Coast tour for playing um, our old album, Album of the Year. Uh, one of those tours, uh, playing it kind of front to back. But we were going to do that back in 2020. That's yeah. kind of what that's kind of what I'm getting at. So, uh, it uh, and then uh, you know, whenever the pandemic kind of started slowing down, and I have been pretty busy ever since that happened because there's been just so much catching up, and I guess I'm still currently catching up. I'm still catching up for everything the pandemic um, stopped. In, and also, the, you know, the what amount did of projects... the pandemic take from us? <laughs> everything. What did uh, steal? I mean, uh, across all the bands <clears throat> you're you're in, you've been in the amount of output you've released. There can't be a year that goes by that's not some sort of anniversary for something. So, yeah, probably. Um, I could pay better attention to it. Uh, well, that's kind of like anniversary fever has been sweeping the nation. Uh, everyone's yeah, trying oh to get God. these anniversary tours. I mean, every album that like ever existed hit twenty years or something you know, this year. Did, did people <laughs> do that like fifteen years ago? And I no, just didn't I, notice. I want to say it's the internet, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be right. The internet is like a place that's constantly looking for content. We didn't constantly need content pre-internet, right? Yeah, I mean, there we took the content we were given uphill both ways back back then. You know, it's so true. <laughs> it's really yeah, true. our content didn't wear shoes to school. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think I think that is true though, and I think that's something that really kind of came to be. Especially like a great example is like American football. Like a band mm-hmm. that literally put out an album, broke up almost immediately after, and just went their separate ways, and then it really kind of gained momentum through like a new era of fan. Yeah, that then created a, a demand. I mean, an even greater example more recently is like Algernon Cadwalder. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they broke up at kind of the peak of emo revival craze, and they were already out their way out their door. And now, I think when we talked to Joe. He had said that he only played on a stage as a band like four or five times, <laughs> and then proceeded to. They just finished up Europe, 
uh they just did like a, a world tour essentially and like sold out a ton of it and it's you know people discover things later on and then it becomes this kind of frenzy you know which is which is cool i mean that's that's not a bad thing you know i think american football was such a fascinating um kind of feels lightning in a bottle ish i think i mean and i say that is on behalf of them too i think i'm sure they feel that way as well it was you just can speak like... for the Kinsellas. it's okay <laughs> i mean i think that was just it was just a real surprise you know i don't yeah. there was certainly there's certainly no design to it you know like, oh yeah uh, like oh let's hold this one off let it, <laughs> yeah 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 let it incubate you know i mean it's pretty wild yeah sometimes lightning in the bottle just kind of kind of happens that way you know mm-hmm. so do you just play album of the year done off stage we're, we're good are you gonna pepper some some hits in there so this was a kind of a funny uh realization for me just just recently uh i just did um it's gonna make me sound like a real old fogey but it's like this is like my job now i just play my old albums i just did a cursive just did domestica just kind of did the same thing yeah um back to anniversaries and constant anniversaries uh but the thing about domestica is that that record's like 31 minutes long or something like that and uh Mm -hmm. it was a it worked really well we kind of you know it's like we'd play a few songs play domestica play a bunch more um it was it was was great uh getting kind of switching gears over to this album of the year it didn't occur to me that this thing's like over 50 minutes long i mean it's like most of a set right there it's kind of weird it's gonna be a totally different vibe for me anyway um and i think kind of just in general but uh, I don't know. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I think we'll just we'll play it, and then we'll play as many songs as we can before hey, we feel listen, like people are annoyed. You, you know, age is but a number. You get uh, Bruce Springsteen up there playing for four hours. Uh, everyone's been seeing the the, the Cure coming around, and and that, did, that, yeah. that old fart friend How of the pod, it? Robert Smith. You know, he's up there for three hours. I heard they did a ten song encore. <laughs> like. Unreal. I saw one. I saw one of their Hollywood Bowls. It was great, <clears throat> and I didn't really look track to see like what they played the three different nights. But mm-hmm. it was very. It was a lot. Of, it was pretty rad. I mean, that's a long time. I want to say. I want to say they played here last night, two nights mm-hmm. ago, or like in DC or wherever. Um, mm-hmm. And I was talking to somebody about it, and he was like, you know, during their fourth encore, like the real encore, <laughs> the real encore. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, can you imagine just being like, yeah, we'll be back, I think, maybe. Yeah, I was, I was just listening to um, Pull some sneaky boy Axe shit. to grind, and I think Tom went to go see them, and he said, yeah, like they opened up and close, they opened and closed the entire concert with like unreleased songs that like were never on an album that's, <laughs> like, wild. that's such a fucking wow. bold move yeah uh which is which is which is nuts i mean and yeah they didn't play any of the hit hits until yeah like third encore or something <laughs> I would and people see- ate that shit up so i mean they got some they got something going on i could see something a head right. on the door uh like album tour i think yeah. that's i think that's, that's really my, that's the my only, favorite one yeah i think that's the only cure record i go back to now well, most of my Cure experience has been on the episode we did uh, about the the singles compilation, mm. and they apparently yeah. they were out there playing "Killing an Arab." They played uh, "Jumping Someone Else's Train." Like mm. they were going in deep, so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, but I don't know if I would go see them live. So, it's great. so who's it's great. that? Who's that Good Life tour with? Has it been announced? Uh, it's been announced, right? It's been yeah, announced. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're with some different uh, groups of friends. Um, we're doing some dates with uh, the New Trust on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our um, good buddies. Uh, well, it's Josh, Sarah, and Julia. Josh is um, 
uh, also in that band, the Velveteen. It's kind of this is like a San Francisco bands, cool. uh, San Francisco area, Bay Area is the, the Bay term. Area, yeah, yeah, I believe Metallica in Velveteen and New Trust. That's it, and Grateful Dead. Uh, <laughs> the big four. With the last one. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, New Trust, and then there's this band, Doomflower, who is uh, also good buddies of ours, Bobby Berg, who's been um, kind of been a staple in Joan of Arc and uh, Make Believe and kind of you know Chicago uh, Kinsella esque bands and. Um, Ah, home of in, FX in is bu- the bear. In, yes, that, yes that's, <laughs> that's what Chicago is. Uh, the place we, called Chicago. You know, it. you just reminded me that we used to talk a lot about Joan of Arc, and we haven't talked about Joan we, of Arc in We have not like brought up Joan of Arc episodes. in a while. <laughs> we used to have a running question of what your what your Tim Kinsella thoughts were. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you'd like to go back to that and tell us what you think about Joan of Arc and, and Tim Kinsella. Oh, who, me? <laughs> no, you don't have to. It's just he's he's such a polarizing figure in, like, such a good oh, way. Oh, he you know? is. Yeah. I think Tim is I, – I do a lot of um, – this is all going to sound like I'm, like, uh, rubbing elbows with celebs or something. But I do a lot of defending You of do Tim live in Kinsella. Hollywood, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tinsel Town. I you moved out there to be me. discovered. We, yeah. we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Tim is like, um, I think that Tim is a very, very, I tell a lot of people that he's just like a really nice guy who I think just comes across as very aloof in people think. And I've had conversations with him where he's just like, yeah, I don't know. Everyone thinks I'm a jerk. It's just <laughs> like, you know, just like, I'm like, I don't know. I guess I just, you know, get the wrong that's, impression. That's every conversation on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted to actually, uh, I, I had a couple questions. We could We could circle back to a few things. Uh, number one, because you also have um, some solo stuff coming up with Friends of the Pod Thursday, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think you're playing Starland, right? Is that coming I, up? I am playing Starland. Ooh, that, was September, my, that was my September hometown 30th. venue for, for years. Really? I started I there, out... I did a sh- I'm, a, I'm a career oh. photographer, and I used to okay. do a lot of music photography, and Starland was like my spot. That and the lanes. I actually uh, photographed mm-hmm. you in cursive at the Asbury Lanes back in the day. Oh, so. Nice. Fun the, times. Um, Starland, and you're, I'm gonna. I assume that you're familiar with this guy. Assume it's kind of a problem there, but I did have a show there that was um, that got totally flooded. Oh yeah, that was a big problem there for a long yeah. time, and that and it was closed for a long time because of flood damage. The flooding was insane. Um, we had to wade through. I can't remember what level of embellishment I'm going to do, but it was definitely like up to our knees, maybe up to our loins. Uh, you know, like <laughs> that's like the worst through, type for for wade, for water to be. <laughs> walking through the parking lot to get back to our um to our to our vehicles. Oh my god! Oh, so it flooded like while you were on the premises. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, we were like stuck in there, and it was just like storming so hard, and uh, the show was canceled, and then we just were like, well, we gotta get out of here. And, uh, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's bananas. I'm sure it wasn't up to our loins, but it was like, I, I mean, have, still, I have really, really short legs, so. Um, um, any any amount above the bottom of your shoe is, is kind of a problem, I would say, <laughs> yeah. especially yeah. if you're in, you know, an establishment with electronic gear. Uh, but yeah, no, that place was closed for a long time, like, like five or six years i think for renovations i mean it still exists on the same plot of land so i don't know if the flooding is still an yeah, issue but yeah. it uh yeah that was a wild a wild thing that's the same thing that happened with um there were two other really major new jersey venues there was a bloomfield ave cafe and what was the other one andrew um that they they both flooded the same weekend and then like closed permanently 
Um, oh, is that the meat locker? In, uh, no, that was Bloomfield Ave with Montclair. And there's one in New Brunswick that also closed. That was another oh, big uh, one. The, I actually saw Cursive there. Hold on. Um, in New the Melody yeah. Bar? No, it wasn't the Melody Bar. But if there's water, Cursive's going to be there. That's how it works. That's what I've heard. <laughs> you know, if there's I anyone to the forecast a great flood, it's going to be a Cursive show. So, so follow, this also I, might be the last time to see them at uh, at Starland before <laughs> it closes permanently. <laughs> You'll appreciate this. I co-own a bar in Omaha with um, the other Cursive fellows, and uh, it has some of it has abysmal flooding it's terrible uh it, the flooding is so difficult there and you know why because it's on saddle creek road oh and, of course no. and it's called saddle creek road because it's the it was a it followed a creek and now it's a road suck so our tits creakers. crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Suck our tits creakers <laughs> my favorite part of that documentary besides obviously. yeah we, we did recently talk about uh the spend an evening at saddle creek dock which is a lot of fun <laughs> Um, but i wanted to talk about uh so yeah you're touring with our friends thursday um which is gonna be cool i mean jeff and norman have both been on this podcast you can all share your experiences Uh, (laughs) or or don't it's good i think we all had a good time those episodes are really fun um but i was gonna say like touring as someone you know as we're all getting older and time marches on like what changes have you made to be more accommodating? Because mm. I, I recently, me and my friends were planning a friend's bachelor party, and it comes down to like how are we all gonna like sleep in an Airbnb kind of deal. <clears throat> and I'm like, I always get fucking stuck on the couch, and I can't like as a th- I'm 35 and I can't sleep on a couch or also have just be miserable the rest of the week. I can't do it. So I can't imagine the days when I used to tour and, you know, you're sleeping like under someone's dining room table while someone sleeps on top of the dining room table. Like Mm -hmm. can't do that shit anymore. So how do you, how have you like made adjustments touring as a, you know, somebody who's been doing it for years? Yeah. I mean, just having, having done it for a really long time now, uh, the way that I toured, you know, 20 years ago is so vastly different. Mm-hmm. from what i do now but also but it, but over those 20 years everything was the exchanges have been totally gradual yeah so if i were to if i were to be thrown back into the way it was done 20 years ago i would be um shocked dismayed and probably very ups- <laughs> upset and probably not even capable of doing it and that makes me sound like such a baby now yeah. but there is there's like issues with age like i can't mm-hmm. um like my freaking vocal cords won't really work if i Ooh, don't yeah you know, if I don't hydrate enough and if mm-hmm. I don't have enough rest, like really irritating things. You have to be um as a vocalist if if you're as a vocalist if, as a vocalist who I guess gives a shit at all. Although some people just you know, like some vocalists can just smoke a pack of two packs a day and yeah. like, they don't have to do a shit and they just always sing great. Right? That's just definitely not never was me at all. But so I have to feel like I have to be like somewhat like I have to be um like in tour shape or something, which is yeah, really well- that's the thing is also like drinking all night too. Like that dries you out internally so bad, you know, and, and it, you know, it might start off good, but then you kind of, you start to dry up towards the other half of the tour and it's, it gets fucking rough. You got to be back there like Ariana Grande with your like steamer box, you know? <laughs> are, you, are you familiar with the band, the wonder years by, by yeah. chance? Yep. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Dan from the wonder years gets ready for tours. Uh, by making a playlist of all the songs they're going to play and then gets on his Peloton 
and like sings them as hard as he can while he's like mashing on the peloton. That's really smart. That's fine. By way, you know, to like get his body and like and 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 at first I was like, what a nerd. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, that's that's genius. It's it's like doing like like, (laughs) it's like doing um like atmosphere training where you put like a you know those oxygen restrictors masks on when you're like pumping iron. Crazy. So cool. I mean that makes a lot of sense. You know, and also like he's a very energetic front person so you got to be able to do it like you're running you know a 5k you know but it blows my mind what they what people some of those entertainers can do i can well it's funny this actually brings us back to you know our conversation with norman is we spent like the first 15 minutes of the podcast discussing the proper shoes to wear on stage (laughs) that won't make your back hurt (laughs) so (laughs) it's it's a it's a thing everyone's going through it's it's fun but I wanted to go back and actually, uh, you mentioned the, the domestic reissue, and I got to say, I really love what you did the layout with that. Uh, oh, and, the, and the fact Me that you too. reshot the cover with the original couple is so fucking cool. Uh, I'll never stop enjoying getting any kind of praise for that. Oh, I'm it's, so happy. I'm so happy genius. about it's great. it, too. <laughs> yeah. And how did that, how'd that all come about? Uh, we had it, the, and this is also kind of all part of why I'm so proud of it or yeah just so proud of it is um because it really was just kind of like one of those kind of like almost like stony ideas that we kind of had as a goof and uh but then kind of held on to it we're like well i don't know that could be that could be like so cool but no but kind of didn't really see ourselves going through with it and didn't really see like everybody getting going through with it so we just kind of left it to um to uh zach and jen who are the our old friends who are the the models on the cover mm-hmm. uh we're like let's just see what they say and they're both like they're both totally down so we're like okay well, i feel like i guess we'll just do it then <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's that cool yeah i think it, it was such a cool touch to the whole thing and also like there's so much more explanation that kind of came out around the record too around that time too i think you you mentioned that it's not technically a divorce record kind of deal yeah, which i've said all the time all along and but it's a but it's all kind of like it's just kind of like a technicality thing, really. I mean, it's yeah. like I recognize it's a divorce record. I recognize that I got divorced, and then I wrote a lot about my life experiences, and a lot of that ended up kind of being about, um, just, you know, specifically about a, a, a relationship and duress, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there's also the story that we told by technicality is that they don't get divorced. And so we thought it was kind of better to um, honor that. <laughs> To, yeah. to honor that to honor the album by <laughs> showing that they're still together but like that right. that's also a problem too like it's like that's another problem it's another thing that's kind of depressing about uh humanity and about people is that they also don't get divorced when they should it's yeah it's sometimes it feels easier to just trudge through at the expense of everything else kind of deal yeah yeah that's uh i mean it's i mean it's incredible and yeah the uh the ugly organ reissue you guys did too was also really really oh, fun thank you. so i think that's the tour i saw you on way back was uh the reissue of that yeah because that was I, that was another great like uh you know was a double gatefold kind of uh album you did like for that, that with the the lp yeah really cool thank you dang dan you're really horny <laughs> for record layouts so. uh, you know i love i love a good layout i love it Graphic design is my passion. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, album of the year had a great layout, didn't it? It's true. I agree. That I think that the reissue we're doing for that, man, I wish I, I knew this shit better. I think that it's um, I think that we're 
doing fine like finally doing it on double lp i'm i feel like i should look this up um, <laughs> yeah let's check your own wikipedia <laughs> uh, but that's like it's so needed as far as like i don't know as far as audio filiacs are concerned because the record is like i said earlier it's like 51 52 minutes long or something mm-hmm. like that oh uh, you gotta yeah you gotta make the record real quiet to fit it all in right yeah so now i think some shallow grooves as far as I know, man, I'm hope I'm not wrong. As I'm far as to... I know, I think that the reissue that we're doing is like finally like a gatefold and it's two um it's a double it's two albums, which is really what it should be, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean as yeah, far I'm as literally the, as far pulling as up my discogs now to see which one I have. Because <laughs> I feel like it's uh Isn't it right behind you? What? Oh, you don't, it's you right don't have behind your... you. Oh, you don't have your uh, <laughs> the album right behind me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, all my records are still at my parents' house, where my big stereo is. But yo, uh, yo, Tim, did you uh, uh-huh. did you make that first Good Life record just by yourself? Yeah, basically. Yeah. What so I, I just I just brought it up that I do have uh, it's a double it's a double LP. Yeah, okay. put it out I, in, tw- I, in in twenty fifteen. They reissued it on double. Oh, as LP. a double, oh as a double LP. Then oh, good. I'm honest. Okay, I'm so glad. Anyway, on 180 grams, so the audiophile Whoa. in me was very happy. That's 360 total grams. That's bro. a lot of grams. That's where the that's where the real value is. <laughs> What's the street value of that record? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, not bad. Hmm. Well, that one. Well, I was I going for it. a pretty penny. <laughs> My retirement. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But well, yeah now that we got that out of the way, thank God. Whew. That first Good Life record was. Um, I mean, I still had buddies helping me out with it, but mm-hmm, uh, sure. it was, yeah, that was the good life. I mean, that's kind of where some, all the kind of, uh, I don't know, I was going to say confusion initially spurred as far as um, it being a side project of cursive and, uh, and, all, and all that, which, but also, mm-hmm. I don't know, is that confusion or is it just the way that our industry, that the greater industry works is that there's got to be a band that's the main band and then the other ones are like the other or the side bands or something yeah. like that. I don't know. I suppose there's always exceptions. Sure. But, uh, but uh, I mean, at the time, like it, it probably felt a lot like a, like a side project or like a solo record. Like, yeah. And that's did what you that's intentionally what it, that's what not. Did you intentionally not like self title it the project? I remember thinking about that a ton and uh, it just wasn't really the, in, it really wasn't the um, approach that I think that everyone that I was kind of interested, or I don't know, the, the music I was interested in and also some of my peers were doing. Like Connor did, was doing Bright Eyes. That really was just Connor. It was just, I mean, actually Connor, it was Connor Oberst. He was putting out Connor Oberst cassettes and then he switched the name to bright eyes and mm-hmm. i feel like mac from super chunk you know he was doing like porta static i mean he was just doing his it was just mac but he was kind of like using name using monikers mm-hmm. so I, I just ended up going with the moniker I but it ended up kind of working out well because we ended up being like a proper band we just yeah. kind of had to grow it's a great it. it's a great band name it's so yeah good. that um that record i mean as far as like if you look at it as like a debut record of a new band like flawless first record like an absolute it was i remember buying that what 2000 um and just holy shit like just sitting there and and speechless it was such an amazing record man thank you that's awesome um dan have you heard it the first good life yeah um maybe a long time ago it's always been album of the year for me yeah you know 
I'm, but, a, I'm uh, a blackout guy myself, but oh, okay. But I, uh, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, I, I always, I remember like describing album of the year to someone, and it's like, no, no, you don't get it. It's like a Shakespearean play where they lay the whole story out in the first part, and then it tells <laughs> you the story in in full after. <laughs> it's just people were probably like, whatever girl I had in the car at the time was like, yeah, totally cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm bro. Sure. Can you please let me out now? <laughs> You're like, hold on, we haven't even gotten to like the locust self-titled yet. So <laughs> well, in. if I could only get that little three-inch CD to fit in my my car, I never CD had pro- player, you know, they would always play on mine. I don't no, know they are, you're, you're I don't playing know with fire, is. putting that in a in a uh-huh. CD player that went there. But yeah, oh, um, I need to make the meme of the guy like talking into the girl's ear, and it's just the whole description of album of the year. I think that'll be perfect. <laughs> that'll be some uh, original content for the, the well, Instagram page. You better do it before uh, Tuesday then, because <laughs> yeah. I gotta crank my memes in the high gear while I'm on vacation this weekend. Okay. Gotta do it before, you gotta do it before I do it. Oh, right. <laughs> um, Tim, I have a question for you. Yeah, this was the only question that I prepared ahead of time. This will be good. Um, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I would say most of your artistic output skews like I don't want to say sad because that sounds like. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, but like a lot of it skews uh, more serious, I suppose, more like introspective. Um, do you I, like, is there like a mo- just a mode you feel comfortable writing in or um, yeah, are you happy, bro? Do we need to talk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's all I think. um uh i think that there are people who are capable of writing like really bright uh positive music um i don't even like most of that you know mm-hmm. but so that's that spot there's one thing right there that doesn't really um i don't really gravitate toward that and so when i want to work on something myself i'm not going to gravitate toward that either sure. it's just like why would i you know whatever like sure why would I write a romance novel if I don't like romance novels or, you know, but, uh, I hate romance. so there, so there's that, but, but then there's also, um, there's also just, uh, I mean, I, I do actually use a lot of sarcasm and, uh, fairly it's sar- sarcasm and sar- and sardonic. But, you know, <laughs> like how like, there's like, what's the, the, two subtle big difference, the subtle difference between those two. Um, mm. but, uh, I think that I don't, and then when you get into like goofy music too, um, I there's stuff that I think is great, uh, but it's great by those artists, and uh, I don't in in anything, and I can't, I don't, I, I feel like I can, I can't pull it off, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I just don't feel like I can per- personally pull off. I think it's, and I don't know if it's a matter of like feeling like I need to. I actually don't feel like I have to need to stay in a lane at all or anything like that, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think my own editing does that for me. Right. Uh, you know, it's just like there's a lot of stuff, other stuff that I don't release that uh, ultimately just um, kind of will bother me and just kind of like, hey, you know, I don't, I don't like that coming from you. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, personally, yeah, I I, oh, go on, Andrew. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I guess like I can't imagine what your like unreleased output looks like. I mean, do you have a song you've been traveling with for 15 years? You're like, God, I got to put this somewhere eventually. Or uh, if you feel like something doesn't work, you're like, I'm done with this. 
There is there is one song that comes to mind when you say that. No, most most stuff I just um I just kind of know. I most stuff I just know in my in editing, just like okay, this is done. And I do not like I'm should not like I want to sit here and just constantly be plugging myself, but I do a Patreon now, which has like been a really great for me personally because I'm just kind of like slowly releasing all the stuff that I've never released. Um, it's just nice to have somewhere to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a song called The Safest Sex that uh, was um, just kind of a solo song that I did myself. And then The Good Life kind of took a stat, took a swing at it. We recorded a version, like, like a kind of a half-assed version of it in the studio. They would all be on my side saying like, yes, it was half-assed. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it was not, we were kind of like, it was like a and also kind of moment like and also maybe we can see what we how this song works or how this feels uh so i've been but it's anyways it's a song that i play live every now and then with so on so in, on solo tours um i've done various recordings of it anyways it's called the safest sex i've never released it anywhere but i've been playing it i wrote it probably 15 years ago oh andrew really hit the nail on the head with that one then yeah, yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my my personal favorite uh tim casher is uh your sardonic criticisms of the music industry big like, fan of that of that, lot, yeah. that theme that runs throughout your work mm-hmm. uh you know it was art is hard uh sync to the beat i really love uh like literally calling out saddle creek in the song uh really fucking good and then i think even like ouroboros on the later cursive record you even kind of dig into that too and you also get the joy of hearing you sing the word html which is a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got a kick out of that as well yeah it's that's a fun song that's such a fun that that whole record it it feels like dirty you know i kind of compared it a little bit to the get up kids like there are rules record in terms of just kind of really changing things up and like some of the synth so- like sounds on that record are so so interesting and just kind of like ugly organ-esque in the sense of like here's kind of a a sound we're gonna fuck with throughout the kind of record and nice. uh it comes out to be yeah it's like a really interesting kind of pivot and it, it puts it aside from kind of everything else which is uh hey. i feel like you do that on a lot of your records though everything kind of you're kind of like will chase that certain like variations sound for a, on a theme yeah so which i speak. i fucking love that it's cool yeah i do that i i there i i also think that um eclecticism um on a record is is great i think and it's something that i've i'd certainly like to do myself but uh maybe similar back to kind of like the idea of like um uh, you know, like, oh, why does everything kind of seem kind of morose? What I my you know, the content is always kind of like darker or morose. Um, that's the other thing, too, is that there's like, how do you how do you, um, you know, like jam, like wedge, like a super bright. Yeah. Um, optimistic song in this on this album with everything else there. Is, I also want things to have like a certain. Uh, I think we always consider that whenever we're compiling an album for any project that I'm doing, it's just like, mm-hmm. well, how do these songs work together? Do they feel right together? And if something just feels like it's sticking out too far, then that's to me, that's too eclectic, even though I do again, like think being eclectic is great. I think it's a shame how many um, songwriters or, you know, musical artists kind of do a certain samesies kind of sound all the mm-hmm. time, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's 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 interesting because there is kind of like yeah, you, like you said, it kind of 
it's two ways to go about it and like kind of stick with a certain kind of theme or like parameters, which I personally re- really enjoy in a record. Uh, and that's something I think comes out a lot when we do stuff for this podcast is, you know, when we talk about a record as opposed to like when we did t- talk about the singles collection of uh, The Cure, it's harder to kind of put things into the context because when an album comes out, it's like, here's a theme, here's a specific set of time these were recorded in a specific headspace, in a specific environment, and it kind of colors everything, whether it's intentional or not. It's just what happens. And, um, you know, it, and it is interesting because there's certain albums we've talked about. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but, you know, certain stuff will be, it just stands out like a sore thumb on a record. It's like, oh, you could tell that was supposed to be the single. You could tell this one has slightly yeah. different production quality to it, and it's got a different tempo, and it's in a major key, and you know, and it's it's always interesting how that happens. I mean, even a good example is some of the stuff that pops up on on some of Connor's records. You know, mm-hmm. not that not that it's intentional, but he is someone who you know a lot of Moreau's kind of content, and then he'll have a song like Bowl of Oranges, or he'll have like First Day of My Life, and it is kind of a standout in that record. Mm-hmm. But somehow it, it it tends to find itself working out, you know. Yeah, I I uh, totally agree with like with everything you're saying. There's a there's a cursive record. I am Gemini that um, is kind of a more obscure for us. Uh, but that was um, we. There's a song on there called Sun and Moon that was kind of like what we pushed as a single mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's so much brighter than the rest of the record, but that was a record where everything was just, it was a record that was just really kind of weird and was very, um, there were just weren't, it just weren't singles. It just wasn't really like mm-hmm. a singles type of, it wasn't like a singles season of songwriting for us. It just wasn't what we're into and what we're interested in. So yeah, I kind of think of this, you'll have to go back and check it out, but it's just like this song, Sun and Moon, is just almost kind of sticks out a little bit on that record yeah. to me. Yeah, it, it is always interesting, and we've we've talked about that with certain records uh, in a series we do on our Patreon now called "Going for It," and it's kind of like that record that you could tell was the like this is the one we want to try to get more mainstream attention with, oh, and yeah. and yeah, you know, and there's certain stuff on certain records too, like you can tell, like this might be the one that the the you know if they're on a, a especially if it's like a first record on a new label. You could tell where the label kind of puts its little thumb in the petri dish kind of deal, and <laughs> and tries to push something along. And it, it is always interesting when you have like the proper ears to kind of pinpoint it a little more. Um, I feel a little bit bad saying this, but I don't know how familiar you are with um, Rilo Kylie, but that's it's what me. That's a that band that I thought about that with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're not that familiar with them, maybe it doesn't really matter. But I think Rilo I mean, Kylie. I think they're quite good, but they did, like, I think their last album was called Under the Black Light. And to mm-hmm. me, that was, like, the shift that you're okay. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, oh, it sounds like they're going after something else now. You don't think the record before that was like that, too? Which one was that? What um, was that called? The one that had, like, Portions for Foxes on it. Oh, um, I guess I was a... Uh... No, I guess I didn't hear it that way, but um, oh. but, I, I bet you're probably right. <laughs> now, I just I I when I think about that band because I I love Rilo Kylie. Um, uh, those first two records I feel like are very similar. Feels like they were mm. written sort of around the same time. Um, but what is that goddamn record called? 
So you're talking about takeoffs and landings and then, um, right. Execution of all things. Okay. And then the record after that was, or did I get those two mixed up? I can tell you in two seconds. Yeah. Dan, please help me out. Uh, Self-titled, takeouts and landings, and executions, and more adventures. More, oh, more adventurous. adventurous. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then under yeah, the because I feel like that the tone of that record was totally different um, than the others. I mean, also people write different songs as they you know move <laughs> through the career, thankfully. But ugh. Uh, did you um, recently the hard times? Are you familiar with the hard times? Oh, very much. Yeah. Um, they did a ranking of all the cursive records. Did you see it? I did. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Did like you not that long with, ago. Did you agree with their ranking? Is it you'll a weird to, thing to do? You, you'll have to remind me. Um, I think that, yeah, I'd have to look at it again. I think I remember, um, cause I think we were on cursive was on tour at the time. And so we were yeah. together and kind of were able to discuss it a little bit. And you're like, assholes, look at this. <laughs> um, yeah. I think they put happy hollow first, which uh, I thought was awesome. An awesome move. So uh, they, they did put happy hollow first. Two was Ugly Oregon. Three was Domestica. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I uh, did a real controversial thing when I did a ranking um, a few years back, and I think I put Happy Hollow last. Oh, last is it? Do you not like that record, or do you? Was that a transitional or, record for you? Or maybe I did I Am Gemini maybe last. But anyways, mm-hmm. I think well, anyways, Happy Hollow was like near was very near the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. Uh, I'm just like. Uh, yeah, I'm no. I'm just personally uh, unhappy with. I'm I'm unhappy. Hollow. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm looking at it now. Yeah, happy on, hollow. Those, happy hollow those... was last, and then I am Gemini. Okay. And then you're um, number one. Those big horns on bad sex. Come on, man. That record treads. And you ranked Mama I'm Swollen as number one. Yeah, which is still kind of a dark horse favorite for me. Oh, that's um, such a good record. I was just talking to Andrew about it today, and we were talking about how. Um, what was the what was the song I said would be a good wedding song intro? <laughs> uh, Ebony and Ivory, from what I remember, but that's yeah, not that's related to this. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was it? Maybe like I couldn't love you, maybe, or I don't know. But, uh, going to oh hell? God. Are you going through our text? I'm going right through now? our text <laughs> <laughs> from the hips. <laughs> oh right. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I'm digging through our text messages. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's always interesting to hear the like the advice did that series of the albums ranked for a while, and Dan, and Dan yeah. Ozzy was doing it for a bit too. That's and it is always interesting because it it always feels like the in most cases the artist always chooses whatever their new record is as being their best. You know, you want to, and that's honestly yeah. always always how I feel. But yeah. it's like you can't, you kind of can't do that, you know. <laughs> like you have to like most people do to, anyway. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of like songwriting and stuff, though, since you do have numerous output uh, streams, you know, with different bands through the years, when you're writing a song, how do you decide what this is going to be for? Like, how do you differentiate a cursive song from a good life song from something that I owned up on a solo record? Uh, I just write. Um, I don't. Uh, I I don't sit down just to write in general. Uh, I write. I'm writing a specific record. So, uh, so that's a major part of it. So even what we talked about earlier too about how you know there's a certain there might be a certain feel to a record. Um, 
I like to kind of stick, keep with that too, you know? Mm -hmm. So even if I'm working on a good life record, I, there might be things that we feel too tangential where it's just like, you know what, don't waste too much time with this because it's not really going to feel right for this record anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's the mate. So that's one, that's a, that's one major way that's very easy for me here and there um i'll be working on a given record and uh and a different something else will kind of come out and like I'll, I'll end up kind of writing in a different direction if that happens uh some if this if i think the song's cool enough i'll still do a voice memo of it and then like good luck little song because chances of me scroll scrolling back to find <laughs> it two years earlier and be like oh this was a good song i wrote you know it's just like fucking fat chance yeah. but but i still will do it sometimes just to be like i don't know like it's it's nice maybe you'll like it later it's you fun know? to return to the well occasionally yeah. you know where mm -hmm. do the other dudes live uh well cursive all live in omaha which is nice um for them sure <laughs> it's not nice for me uh but it's nice that as far as getting together to practice to rehearse it's like mm. it's just me I'll, i just i'm the only one who has to fly in um the good life uh steph and i are here in la uh nice. and ryan fox is in portland and roger is roger lewis is in omaha cool so do you play with anybody there just to like play loud man i did initially uh i did initially uh i'm uh, uh i'm a uh, novice uh wanting to be amateur drummer uh and so i was playing i was in a couple bands where i kind of um forced people to play to play along to my drummings uh but those never lasted very long probably because i'm not a very good drummer and they didn't really want mm. um to play with me very badly I but yeah i was i loved that i something i missed the most about youth is um just getting an opportunity having the opportunity to um actually just like have a band in town and like have band practices have in, you thought uh, about putting a flyer up at the local music store <laughs> <laughs> with like a list of like what you want to sound like for fans you know. of yeah, yeah. Megadeth and Ghost. I'm just gonna I'm gonna <laughs> put like for fans of if music like Cursive the Good Life yeah. <laughs> Yo, I want to do a web series where like be, uh, we have musicians put up like uh, musicians wanted flyers with just their own <laughs> their fans own of their own bands I think it's oh, a great yeah. idea um. <laughs> So, you know what? I want to transition. I don't know, if Dan, if you're ready, but I something you said earlier about goofy music made me immediately be like, Violent Femmes are kind of a yeah. goofy band. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me, so we're talking about the self-titled Violent Femmes record. Um, the Violent Femmes record, essentially. No one really cares about anything that came after, I don't think. I love the Christian stuff, so shut up. <laughs> that is a weird pivot I forgot ex happened. There are some good, there are some other good albums. Um, but I, I'm also I'm also guilty of not knowing all of them. Um, yeah. Because there's some that aren't as good as well, so it's like it kind of uh, makes, kind of, pour, you know, like, uh, pouring through all of them a little bit. Apparently they did put okay. out, like, a best of records. <laughs> I mean, um, well, so why do birds? Right? So why do birds sing? Is like, a, you know, that was like early '90s that had American music on it, and uh, that mm -hmm. that's a good record. We used to listen to that a lot. But also, the follow up to the self titled is a great record. Um, oh, really? Mm -hmm. What's it called? There was a Common Ground. Is yeah, there was a single on that too that was pretty good. Yeah, Not Common um, Ground. It's I don't a what the single was. I can tell you in a second. Oh, why am I blanking? Hollowed on that? Ground. Hollowed Ground. Yeah. 
And what was and that's the a good horns record. of dilemma or what the horns of what's his horn section called? Oh, Their the horn, horn the horns called? of dilemma. Yeah, the horns of dilemma. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so funny because the first, the first, you know, I put this on. And right away you get slapped in the face with blister in the sun. Yep. And like, right out it, right out the it, gate. It's such a uh I mean, that's gotta be like the most iconic riff of all time, right? Like up it's there, definitely yeah. up there, yeah. I I can't... out of mind, blister in the sun. Which is right. funny because it's a bass riff. It's not mm-hmm. on guitar. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's acoustic bass. <laughs> mm. The the ever popular acoustic bass. Um, well, in those little snare hits are about as important as all of it. Right? Yeah, the, I, I sent Andrew a video that I almost guarantee you he didn't watch, uh, but I think it was a <laughs> KEXP live thing where it's it's much later era, but they're playing and the drummer is playing with brushes on the top of like a Weber charcoal grill, wow. <laughs> and it worked. But <laughs> they, they are like a band formed out of busking essentially so yeah. so yeah, it, yeah. it makes sense mm-hmm. but but yeah andrew like, yeah it's it's a it's on base it's very strange all no of it's idea. strange it's a so what's so what's your relationship with this record uh it is um uh i've i grew up i mean i spent my entire life with practically my entire life with it uh mm-hmm. so i was born in 74 and when did it come out 82 83 uh i think that um i don't know when i first was handed like the i didn't i never bought the record i was handed a a, a dubbed cassette of it um probably in uh 84 or something like that uh but just like listen to the crap i mean i was also we were devouring anything we any music we could find we that we being like i guess my brother and i but also like my buddy matt mcginn who's in cursive and we've just like we've kind of grew up together um completely grew up together completely actually um but uh yeah it's i i was um kind of in preparation for this conversation i also re-listened to it and also thought about how it is goofy music because apple music after i was done playing it switched over to beach to beastie boys um license to ill paul revere <laughs> and then to butthole surfers and i was like oh yeah oh, this wow. is because violent right. Femmes is kind of goofy music you know yeah um to me um this self-titled is just not goofy but then i also recognize it totally is i mean there's so many parts of it it's, where they're just being totally facetious but it's very adolescent music but it was much, also written yeah. by 17 year olds yeah 17 and 18 year olds exactly you know? so it and all I fell makes in love sense with it. i fell in love with it when i was 10 years old i mean and that makes you know? total yeah. sense you know and it but the thing is so i gotta say i was because again i've known blister in the song has just musical canon for my entire existence you mm. know and it is a song so when i lo- looked up this record after you mentioned it i saw that it was 1983 and mm-hmm. I was like, there's no fucking way this album is yeah. 30 years old yeah. like, or 40 years old. Yeah. And I had no fucking idea. It was it, it absolutely blew my mind that this record is that old. And because it, it, it kind of sounds like it could have come out within the last few years or came out in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, it's truly mm-hmm. about as timeless as like a rock album can be. It's 
it's because cr- it's not even a rock album technically i think it's listed yeah. on wikipedia as folk punk which is hilarious but um, uh, i like i like that actually i think that's i think that's accurate but it yeah it's just very much it's just so ubiquitous with indie music i guess that it seems timeless it's it's truly it rocked my world when i was trying yeah. to process it it's timeless to me absolutely but they also like have a different relationship with it like mm-hmm. um also from that era like in 1982 is like one of my favorite movies of all time is et and that's something that's like kind of not timeless in a way um mm-hmm. you know like uh just insofar as uh i can't i understand when i'm recommending to et to somebody who hasn't seen it it's just like oh had to be there you know mm-hmm. like it's probably yeah. like you're like you're probably not gonna like it nearly as much as the way i relate to it you know yeah but that's also again a movie i mean anything with a movie like that does have like a lot of cultural references and hairstyles look different and you know there's always things like that um but yeah i mean i guess that's also another movie about like youth and discovery and friendship and childhood you know so and and when it comes out and it's just not as it's just not as sexual as uh the first um violent femme record that's that's true I thought you were gonna say it wasn't as sex as, as sexualized as like ET the extra testicle, which is <laughs> another <laughs> another piece of youth that you kind of had to to be there for. I mean, I, Steven Spielberg <laughs> went through his blue period. That's true. <laughs> his blue waffle period. It was great. Um, yeah, wild. But yeah, I, this... you know what? It's so funny because when you said when you when you were like, "What year did this fucking come out?" It reminded me of the exact same way I felt about what was that big star record. Um, because I feel like most of the big star records sound like they could come out five years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all like late 70s or something. Is yeah, that right? yeah, yeah. I think I anything was, with I an was acoustic starting guitar, to, it's timeless, you know? I was starting to compile a list of event, of like world events that were closer in years to the release of this record than we are to the release of this record. I got like Vietnam War, yeah, got, Kennedy uh, assassination, the moon yeah, landing. Kennedy assassination, moon landing, yeah, <laughs> you got it all. Uh, um yeah i mean i was born in 81 so but I, you were I handed first, you, you were handed this record I, yeah, at age at birth, two. they were like they yeah. The dub. Um, yeah i i think the first violent femme record i had was added up but that's that's a compilation that's the, right? that's yeah. the better yeah. the <clears throat> best of i think right yeah but yeah but it's uh, got like half this record on it of course <laughs> yeah i mean these are most of its their singles for sure it's uh, yeah, so Blister in the Sun obviously is ubiquitous. You know, it's the song every asshole picks up and plays and uh but it is a very prescient song. It it still hits. It's fun. You could probably do it at karaoke and everyone would go nuts. You put it on at a party mm-hmm. and people would probably still love it. It it doesn't necessarily have I think it's so mainstream that it doesn't necessarily have like a niche audience anymore either. And it's been in no. a million different things, so yeah. like it's just a song people know, which but is also, pretty crazy for the rest of the album. Just knowing that that one song, like, pretty much is like propelled most of their career in a crazy way. I saw a list of syncs yeah. for this album. I mean, uh-huh. for that song, yeah. Um, most notably the Wendy's sync that like broke the band. <laughs> oh, up, that but, broke the band up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but like, I feel like. Uh, people in the film industry and i guess the tv industry also use blister in the sun as a way to like conjure nostalgia it makes mm. sense mm-hmm. um 
I gotta say, well, well, let's let's get the blister in the sun talk out of the way, and then we can get to the rest of the record because I truly feel like it is like such a different. It's a piece of the record, obviously, but it has its own separate lore to it. But uh, I gotta say, its relation to the movie Gross Point Blank yeah. is very, mm-hmm. very interesting. But I was Apparently, of too. John Cusack was a huge Violent Femmes fan and kind of wanted to base like the a majority of the music like needle drops in that in that movie to the song to the point where he had them re-record a new version wow. called Blister 2000 which is on it's on the soundtrack it's also on YouTube and it's a slowed down version with like horns and shit. Wow. Yeah. And um I don't like it at all. <laughs> but okay. it's uh, it exists. It's it's just a weird variation after hearing it. But what is crazy though is they decided against using that song in the movie. It's still on the soundtrack, but what they did do is use a re-recorded version of the original arrangement. So they re-recorded the song in that same time but playing it the way they did in 83. And it is still a little different. Huh. You can just hear it. It's like cause it's, you know, it's it's tough to capture that magic again, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh 20 seven years later or whatever it was but it so here's the funny part they made a music video for that version of the song um intercut with scenes from gross point blank and the other stuff they cut is the singer of violent femmes pretending to be a hitman planning to assassinate george uh bill clinton's cat socks what wow. a fucking world we live in. It's so the the video there's like someone's like pointing a like a video camera at a TV version of the video that's on YouTube. Mm. But yeah, it's it's him pretending to be like John Cusack's character but plotting to assassinate Socks the cat. And oh, it, I got to I got to check this out. <laughs> you got to <laughs> see it. It's it's bizarre. <laughs> it's so goddamn strange. It is truly yeah. pre-911 as you can get. <laughs> but yeah it's 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 so strange but yeah i mean what was your thoughts when you first heard that song did you know that was the hit from the get-go when you first listened to this record in the context of it being pretty close to the release because apparently the record label was like this song doesn't have a bass drum in it it can't be a hit and they like they kind of had to let it organically grow for people to realize that that's the fucking hit song on the record um so my relationship with it is um i guess i'm maybe i will say it's two parts i when i when i put the album on today it's an album that i uh don't really listen too much anymore um uh just because i played it out so i played it so hard like i know mm-hmm. basically know all the lyrics i just know that album so well it was great i loved revisiting it today i love talking about it right now um but it did immediately strike me it's like okay kind of like you guys mentioned it's just like oh wow blister in the sun is the first song yeah and it and it means something so different now than uh did initially uh but i'm sticking i'm keeping with the way what it what it initially meant to me which is it wasn't a single it wasn't a standout it was just another great song Mm -hmm. on an album of like perfect uh, what i consider to be a near perfect album it's just like yeah you know it's it's just another one I don't, I'd, I mean, in Blister in the Sun was not my favorite song when I was young. You know, like it was, it was just one of the good songs. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think added, I think added up has always been, yeah. you know, 
added up is so it's so yeah, good. It's so good. It's a hilarious mm-hmm. subject matter, <laughs> very much of the like incel ilk a little bit. Mm-hmm. But also, totally. I totally get the idea of like being. Uh, I think the singer talked about it as being he's like, yeah, it's exactly what the song feels like. He was like, I was alone in my room as a teenager who was like frustrated about not getting attention from girls. <laughs> and that's the most visceral thing that came out of me is just like being like, why the fuck not me? You know? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's so interesting. But when I heard it back on this, I could have sworn that that like day after day kind of break they do was from something else. Like, it seems too clever to not be a cover, almost, hmm. you know? Uh, have you ever get that feeling where it's like, you couldn't have been the one that wrote this. This <laughs> seems ubiquitous, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't find it or like originating from anywhere else. So I was very shocked by that. Because that, that line, I feel like it's been used in a movie or something. Just But, like, only the day after day kind of four bar thing, you know? Yeah, I was, I was trying to think of almost if there was if it's maybe a little similar and maybe I've thought this two years ago, uh, like a little similar to like a to a, to a musical song or something like maybe. that. It sounds almost like a gospel song, you know. Mm-hmm. When I was kind of thinking of maybe of either Jesus Christ Superstar or Godspell or something oh, like that. Interesting. But then also kind of makes me think of like Day In Day Out, which is um, Fiddler on the Roof, I think. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, Day by Day is Godspell, right? Oh yeah, and there's that too. And yeah. I know that mm-hmm. almost specifically from Wet Hot American Summer, and not from the play itself. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, day but yeah, that the day. Yeah, day by day. <laughs> Best movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's. It's, uh, I mean, Andrew, what was your thoughts? Uh, like, when did you first kind of get in on this record and, and figure it out? This record today. I mean, not today, five days ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'd never listened to the self-titled straight through. I, okay. I had only ever listened to the, to the collection of hits, um, of which I, I, I was just looking to see if I could figure out how many songs were on that record. Cause I, I honestly, I feel like everybody, I mean, um, almost all these songs are on added up. Um, mm-hmm. What's the song where he counts? I know that's such a stupid thing to ask. Kiss off, but kiss which off. I love, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my jam I, on the record. I think yeah. that's my favorite song on the record too. Um, he's got this. He's got this vocal quality that like only I and I'm struggling to name anybody else who can do it right. But maybe Isaac Brock, I guess. But like that, like frantic uncomfortable vocal delivery that also doesn't mm-hmm. feel forced like it does yeah. nothing about this record feels like disingenuous everything feels yeah you know just so and it's why some of the goofier themes are so easy not goofier themes but like some of the goofier qualities of this record are so easy to sort of like put into context because it feels just so honest it's yeah and it it really, like I said, it has an adolescent quality of just like we're just three people fucking having fun. Like this, this sounds like a garage band to me. Mm-hmm. That like they just happen to record because it's just like there's no feels like there's no pressure on the songs. They're just playing what they're playing, and you know there could even be some mistakes here and there. Like it's it's so sloppy but so tight mm-hmm. at the same time, and that's something that's like impossible to fake almost. I think I think of him as uh, in meaning like no 
only his compliments is kind of is a great actor like the way he um the way he performs mm -hmm. these songs uh because he's he is being it is a person I mean, I don't know Gordon Gano, but it's like there's still a persona here, mm -hmm. and and there's a and there's a, I, I, there's kind of it's like an acting performance because he does a lot of stammering, you know, and like yeah. that's that's like part of his shtick, kind of is, yeah. and he pulls it off so well though that it really feels it feels authentic, but um, that's not really, and I guess and it is authentic, I suppose, but and it's not though. I mean, I don't think he wrote in his notebook, you know, like. And, and 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 I you know it's yeah it's just like it's the way that he filled he fills his melody and it like kind of like compels the melody it makes it all so much more interesting yeah absolutely yeah, I think I get, of uh, I think but, of but as far as you know you mentioned Isaac Brock I think of um, just shortly after was is uh, Pixies with uh, Black Francis um, yeah is somebody who and I'm not saying that they're the same or anything like that sure no I but... do think that I do think that. That actually, I don't know this. But I have a hunch that Violent Femmes were important to mm -hmm. to uh, Frank Black, but I don't actually know that. It's Damn, just the way. Call up. <laughs> get him on. Get him on the horn. It's just Frank Black is so absolutely or Black Francis, whatever mm -hmm. whatever name he's using right now, is he's so completely his own unique persona in and of himself. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like Gordon Gano is an important influence somehow. Yeah, it's it's shocking so i just did a quick google of because like again getting back to like this record just being such a standout um i looked up what the top records in 1983 were mm. and it is a fucking wild year for music <laughs> so violent femmes is, is near the top oh, but wow. synchronicity by the police came out power corruption and lies by metallic uh, by new order kill them all by metallica speaking in tongues by talking heads uh, War by U2, Murmur by R.E.M., Out of Step by Minor Threat, uh, fucking, uh, what's the other one that was big here? Fucking. Fucking. Uh, Dio, Holy Diver came out this okay. year, like, <laughs> crazy year for, for, like, hair metal. Uh, yeah. Show No Mercy by Slayer, um, but also, like, She's So Unusual by Cyndi Lauper, and mm -hmm. Sports by Huey Lewis. <laughs> like, Eliminator by ZZ Top, and then this came out. And, so, yeah, what was it, the biggest record of all those? Or what was oh, the biggest that, record? That I'm you? not sure. Uh, when we look up like number one record, I'm curious. But also cool that Violent Femmes was up there, though. I wasn't sure if they they always seem well. They are alternative, you know. Yeah. So I didn't know how much they really hit into the main mainstream. Uh, Thriller was the best-selling album of 1983. Oh, okay. Did that come out in 83? Mm, according to... Uh, uh, you know what? That's a good question, because I think Thriller was just, like, the best-selling album for multiple for years. For multiple years. So. Yeah, because I think it maybe came out in 82. Is in my, that's mm. kind of in my head. But I, won't, I wouldn't be surprised if it was best-selling record of 82 and 83. Yeah. Uh, the biggest... The, the number one hit of 83 was Every Breath You Take. Hmm. Um, Down Under by Men at Work was number four. That's a really special song to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. But again, like if Thriller is the number one album and then like, and even comparing like Kill Em All by Metallica and like, you know, uh, Synchronicity by The Police. And then you have like this record of three guys 
playing acoustic instruments and a guy drumming on top of a grill. So you know, another another reason that I would like to talk about Violent Femmes mm-hmm. in this rec- in this record a lot, and this is really is a I do like I like to chat up this record because it is one of my favorite records of all time. Uh, I think that this record and the Violent Femmes just kind of um, the influence that they have had and have. I mean, I'm probably not right about this, but I I I often or generally think of this record as um kicking off a whole new uh era of alternative music and it makes sense i, I think that see it i mean obviously clearly there was there was new wave um there was plenty of alternative things happening before them and and at the same time talking heads you already mentioned um but this went in a different direction yeah. like this oh, absolutely. like like in a much smaller way i never thought of it this way but like in a much smaller way this was like 10 years before nevermind before you know nevermind changed everything yeah i think that violent femmes in a small way for the alternative indie rock scene everything kind of started going in a different direction yeah maybe i that's kind of how it feels to me but it, I when, could I, be wrong. when i think of bands that sort of follow the violent femmes the only things that ever come up to me are like ween and uh <laughs> um oh man i had it and lost it we'll circle back to that but like ween <laughs> and oh they might be giants oh, sure. okay. um, mm-hmm. and like definitely not the same subject matter at all and i, yeah. and I think only because they're like very self-aware like goofy dudes yeah i, I looked I it up know, and like dead milkmen gets compared to sure. them which mm-hmm. which i could kind of see and uh the pokes <laughs> uh, i mean the pokes but, get compared to everything that's true yeah and then like yeah they might be giants it's up there television's up there the minutemen uh which i guess is just kind of like fast almost like yeah. no wave punk you know I think the self-titled record is really earnest, actually. I don't think it's a terribly jokey. I think I think that they have tongue-in-cheek moments, you oh, know, I agree. Like, like that, like bye, 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 bye. <laughs> you know, they do things like that. But it's like it's good, though. I or you know, maybe it's because I was ten when I heard it. Well, but I mean, no, I I totally agree, and especially in the context of the age they were when they did this, and it is a debut record. Like, there's nothing to compare it to, really, in terms of there's no kind of mold that they were trying to fit it's just like here's you know we we played on the street in our college town and we're continuing to play those instruments in a studio it's just a different setting but we're yeah. all 18 year olds who have I mean, girl problems and we're mad at the world and we hate the society and and you know expectations of the adult world and it's kind of a fight back against all that stuff you know yeah have we even mentioned that they were like discovered by the pretenders and oh, like, that is very played funny. a pretenders mm-hmm. show? Yeah. That's uh, such a bizarre Yeah, like, expand on that. It's it's, it's Do super we think that was the same day? They were like discovered and then played <laughs> It's possible. after the opener. I've heard a few different versions of this. I'm curious I'm curious to hear what yours is. I'll just say in short, I my version that I feel like I grew up with was that they were busking um, in front of the line at um, First Ave mm-hmm. in uh, for like a sold out show that Pretenders were playing, and it was just a buzz. And Pretenders heard about it and like went out and checked them out and were like, "Wow, you guys are cool." And then I think went on to tell like the record label or something like that. That's yeah, so crazy. Like, does that yeah, shit happen I... anymore? Does A and R work like that anymore? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, the internet exists. You don't have to. I know. I know. Does does Usher discover Justin Bieber anymore? Like, does that stuff happen? First Ave is a cool venue too. Yeah, I like that place. What's the What's the flooding like over there? What's the What's the (laughs) the water level? um, (laughs) Dan, you are you familiar with the venue? I'm you, I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. It's the one with all like the stars with the band's names out that's front. That's the uh that's the one run by the guy from Dillinger 4, right? No, actually First Ave is like was run, owned by Prince, right? I think so. Yeah. But uh, there was a the place the... Dillinger 4 had um the it's closed now, so that's why I'm, I don't remember Trip Diamond Triple Diamond. Um, is that what it was? I, I mean, thought that had all the stars been, on the side too. Um, maybe, maybe I'm conflating the two. Man, I feel bad. I don't recall the name. I mean, I played there a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but uh, they've been closed for like a long time now, though. So, yeah, I'm I'm googling it. We gotta do these things all on our own here. Um, yeah, it's not coming up. Oh, Triple Rock Social Club. Triple yeah. Rock. Not That's Triple in, It's in Minnesota, okay. right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Isn't that where? Vile Femmes are from? Yes, yeah, that's my impression, right? Is that they they were busking in front of First Ave in mm. Minneapolis, yeah. But Triple Rock is also the same city. Mm. Interesting. Was or it Jimmy John's right around the corner from there? It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's, the, what's the vegan food like <laughs> no, in that area? I'm going to tell you, the only thing I remember about that part of town was just that, like, they have such a good infrastructure for dealing with snow and like pedestrian traffic yeah. that there's like tunnels. I mean, big like sky bridges that connect all the buildings downtown. Oh. So you can just like walk through downtown, like eight floors up or whatever. It's fascinating. It's like, it's like Minnesotans or Minneapolis mm. denizens or like mole people who just like, <laughs> inside. so it's like, I, it's like reverse Vegas. Yeah. I, I did <laughs> conflate it. Um, because Dillinger 4 has a star on First Ave, the venue. Ah, nice. So, they made it. I'm proud of them. <laughs> Sunday Day Real Estate does as well. Mm-hmm. So proud fun. of you guys. I, I think I, I think I, uh, I think I took a picture underneath the Soul Asylum one. Secretly a huge Soul <laughs> Asylum fan. Nice. Oh, yeah, it does seem okay, like... they're it, from... They're it does seem like they're Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, right, it, it yeah. does seem like just anybody gets a star on there. Uh, Melt Banana has one. Oh, you just have street. to sell the place out. Oh, is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at one right now. It's got Wesley Willis, The Meat Puppets, Melt Banana, Doom Tree, Ice Cube, and The Mighty Mofos. Mm. <laughs> and Arrested Development, the band. The rap group. Uh, that, that is very funny. Wesley Willis sold it out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The Midwestern hero himself. Hmm. But yeah. Uh, let's talk about the other songs on this record that aren't blistered in the sun. <laughs> uh, I definitely got to say, uh, Kiss Off, I think, is, is also my favorite. Uh, Kiss Off is such a good insult, too. Telling someone to kiss <laughs> off, it like hurts even more than being like told to fuck off. It's just like funnier. It's great. It is. But that, uh, that counting off part is so good. Mm-hmm. When he's just like stammering, I love a song that counts. Um, Thursday actually has a couple of them, which is very fun. They do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least two, I believe. It's like the New Year's song. They have the, they have the yeah, Jet Black New Year, and they also yeah. have Counting Five Four Three Two One. Oh, it's yeah. also a lot of fun. 
that was on their uh, going for it record that we talked about. <laughs> this self-titled um, has uh, just a recurring like musical theme mm-hmm. throughout of uh, that. I, I think again is just like highly influential. It's certainly influential on me. I'm always trying to recreate this, not always, but often trying to recreate like the um, Violent Femmes move of like getting real low and getting real quiet and then just start mm, yeah. going off on something you're going off on. You know, I, I just, I mean, <laughs> just like I just did it recently on a recording. Like I'm just always doing that. I will do that for the rest of my life because of that record. It's wild that I, I never, they do it on multiple songs on this yeah. record yeah. and I, yeah. I never get tired of it. I, I love it. I think they that's do it multiple times in a song like yeah. a different thing. Like it's crazy. I think that's a busking thing. I think that might come from like performing wow. out in the open. Cause it's like, you're very much like drawing the crowd closer and more interested and then kind of going off and everyone goes crazy. You know, Lord knows I've photographed enough weddings that do that with, um, with what's it called? With shout. With, with shout. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and everyone loses their goddamn mind, you know, every time. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just a it's just a good way to kind of control a crowd in a way where you kind of have them in the palm of your hand and then you can control the energy from there. I think you're right. And that's just it's really revelatory and is really blowing my mind right now. That's, like, <laughs> that's such a cool that's so cool to think that the, that their style, which ended up becoming so hugely influential, is based off of busking. I mean, it probably really is, whether they even realize it or not. It's just like yeah. they're probably writing stuff that was just like how you know, like we're trying trying to like engage with the with a with people on the street. Well, yeah, and and you know, like I said, even the, the use of just using acoustic instruments, like the guitar, for one thing, but then having like an acoustic bass is something you really don't see very often. Mm-hmm. And then the drummer kind of playing whatever's around. It's very much like, hey, we can we can we're we're mobile. We can play without amps. And we can just like, you know, get the. I think a lot of the times the drummer would play like standing up, like a mm-hmm. stand up kit, like Stray Cat mm-hmm. style with like no bass drum, you know? Mm-hmm. Hate that. And <laughs> it's not my favorite. <laughs> it's a bad look. It's a, if did, we can did, be honest with ourselves. Did you got a cool, cool did term, you though? Cocktail kit. Yeah. Cocktail kit. Called, yeah. Which that's is pretty cool. cool. I've but, always, I always thought cocktail kits were like, uh, wait a minute. Do people also lay that kick drum down? Can you lay that kick drum down? Can you like you can. orient that mm-hmm. same kit multiple ways? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I love that kit. <laughs> I, I, they're, they're, I, I remember seeing a band play. Wait, what do you mean the drummer, laying the kick drum down? The drummer had like a long, like not very wide diameter kick drum. And I uh-huh. was like, man, that sounds so wild, so punchy mm. for being so like not as large as I you think the whole think. point mm-hmm. is you can then put everything from your kit into the kick drum and just yeah. carry it as like a one piece thing totally <laughs> but yeah drummers, that's, man that's crazy <laughs> there are drummers are so lazy um <laughs> but yeah no it's it's I think that makes a lot of sense though uh but yeah the, the upright kit is weird vibe did you did you ha- go through like that weird stray cats renaissance did anyone in your like high school rediscover the stray cats and think it was like the coolest shit on the planet I had a few of those in my high school. Uh, embarrassing, deeply uh, embarrassing. Uh, I think that I'm just of the wrong age bracket. Like we, like we just went through Stray Cats in real time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Stray Cats assance in my high school, and everyone started like. I think it was like people started listening to like the Riverdale's, you know, and that weird mm. era of of punk music, and then they're like, "Well, okay. let's go even back even further and start slicking." I I knew a guy. I knew someone who knew someone 
that I met tangentially who like legitimately would slick his hair back with real grease. Mm-hmm. And he would have to carry around a, a dirty, grease-soaked rag in his back pocket because oh. his hands were so greasy. And it's he can't just like so wipe hard. it off with water, you know? I love that. I hate the, it. That it's, that's got to be the most disgusting person on the planet. Like the, if he if the, he like leaned against the stove, his whole ass would go up on fire. <laughs> you know, the Stray Cats Renaissance in your high school reminds me of um, something that surprised me um, when I went to when I first went to college uh in 1990s fall of 1992 uh is everyone was listening to uh the specials like crazy and kind of oh, like oh yeah. my god check out the special you ever heard of the special yeah and i'd grown up with this but i mean like similar to violent femmes i was like i listened was listening to them a decade ago as a kid and i do love the specials but lo and behold early 90s like ska was like starting to take off yeah it was so i just found it I mean, very the fun. specials so were another fun. band that were so ahead of their time too you know God, great band. Fuck. Yeah. Wild, wild times. But uh, other stuff on this record. Um, I mean, Dad, uh, Gone Daddy Gone, another smash hit. Uh, that, also, again, multi-generational smash hit being yep. covered by CeeLo Green. It was covered by Gnarls mm. Barkley, <laughs> as to what right. CeeLo Green was a part of. Uh, it was yeah, Gnarls Barkley was CeeLo... And Danger Mouse, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, but yeah, they covered Gone Daddy Gone, which is I actually crazy. am kind of curious. I want to change. I want to switch this. What you're saying slightly, and because I'm kind of curious, uh, Andrew, you said that you just listened to the first time like a few like five three days a few days ago, right? Like yeah, the whole last album. Week. So you yeah. knew most of the songs because sure. of, because of the best of collections. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of curious how the rest of it hit you as hearing. It I mean, the here's the thing. Speaking of I, it took this is were, a safe space manager. It's there okay. were plenty of times that I would put this record on, and because it's not a long record, isn't it? Like no. without the bonus material, it's like less than forty minutes. Yeah, yeah it's um, probably like thirty-eight minutes. And production-wise, there's not a whole lot of like different shades. You yeah. know what I mean? It's really just the whole thing. So it's, I think it's really easy when you're sitting there to look at it as like one big work with you know a few different movements um and it was just wild to me to see the songs that i i didn't know Mm -hmm. um how well they glued the rest of it together you know what i mean because like Mm -hmm. when you listen to i don't even know if they're in order on added up i think they might be like sort of you know track listed weird on added up but um yeah just just to hear the, the flow of this record and like you know live that teen angst and you know <laughs> what a time uh yeah. per what you're there's even so as i re-listened to it today i did the same thing which i think i do i did when i was a kid too which is um, i get kind of confused they, i'm speaking to, to the fact that it is kind of does feel like it's all of one piece kind of it really does mm-hmm. kind of seem like a band that didn't have that had was probably on a budget and they probably play, i bet you i bet you 95 percent of that shit is played live i bet that's like pretty much a live I'm going to guess that that's pretty much a live album, mm. you know, like in the studio, um, because they, they're probably just in their, you know, like they're buskers and they probably just can in their fucking great players. Oh, um, right. Yeah. And so I think they probably just jam that stuff out. And so it is all kind of a pretty homogenous sounding record, but so homogenous that um, I'd have to look at the track listing again. But there's a song that I always get. I tend to get confused because it's so similar to an earlier one. Um, It's like, is it just kiss off? That's like, boom. Don't, don't, 
don't 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 is that yeah. seem right? I think add it yeah. up sounds like that too. Yeah, also because so they do they do that shuffle. Yeah. There's a lot of that shuffle and just that mm-hmm. that same bass dune do 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 you know? Cause because the bass is playing what, what a kick would do. Yeah. Yes. Right. Interesting. There, Which I don't anyway. even think I realized until you said it there was no kick. Mm-hmm. There's a, yeah anyway there's just a sameness to it I, and I can't remember if it's um uh, wasn't ready for this I guess but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, we're putting uh, the screws to you over here I want to listen to them but I don't want to screw up our sound or what we're I doing can, I can I can play something if you if there's something you need to um, hear it might be um like prove my love or maybe yeah. it's promise but anyways it's just like so similar to like kiss offer it, let's say. It, I mean, that's already right. Like, what song is this? Prove My Love. Yeah, see? I mean, isn't that just like... Yeah. And what's the added up sound like? Let's see. Oh, it's got this part, but... Yeah, you have to get into it. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's identical. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's identical. (laughs) Wow. It's uh yeah it's it's but it fucking works it just works it's simple, and I I think I think we hit the nail on the head uh about it just it's a good busking record and that's like what it's born out of just like Mm -hmm. playing relatively simple songs that can be played with minimal equipment out outdoors job well done done thanks for coming on Tim we nailed it (laughs) (laughs) we finally cracked the code hell yes uh but yeah did you did you end up like coming you know. Did this make you a lifelong Violent Femmes fan? Did you? I know you said you kind of fell off eventually with some of their stuff, but like, did you get into the later records? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned, like I was mentioning, uh, like Why Do Birds Sing is um, a cool record. We were in uh, high school that came out, and uh, uh, yeah, something. I think that's about right. Or maybe have you seen them live? Yeah, uh huh. Uh, They, I, you know, I. I think they're kind of known for what is the bass player Brian Ritchie? Is that is that, <laughs> that, that sounds about right? Yeah. Um, I think Gordon and Brian like don't talk to each other. Do you guys hear those rumors? No, it's the other guy. It's the old drummer, right? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. De Lorenzo. Yeah. De Lorenzo. Victor. Victor De Lorenzo. Yeah. Um, because he was the one. I mean, I read some of the shit that they said about each other, and it's like. Mm insane that he came back to the band way later you know what i mean like he um there was a really wild statement that he released right after uh gordon licensed the no that was richie who did that that was the bass player so they've had multiple drummers throughout the years but it's always been those two up front i believe okay then i'm Um, i'm I'm remembering this wrong yeah but but the statement that he the uh, scathing statement where he was like we would never back this i'm vegetarian the other guy's vegetarian and i and i don't eat that because i'm a he called himself a gourmet which is the first time i had ever heard someone use that as like an (laughs) adjective Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's it's gourmand, I think, right? Oh, Isn't that? Yeah, but no, he said he's a gourmet, which is very yeah, funny. Like, I, like I would that. never eat that? Come on. Um, <laughs> that spicy chicken sandwich shreds so hard. I know, I know. I gotta find the... Because, yeah, that um, statement somewhere in here. Yeah, okay, here we go. Um, 
Richie responded to the use of the song in the commercial by saying, For the fans who rightfully are complaining about the Wendy's Burger advertisement featuring Blister in the Sun, Gordon Gano is a publisher of the song, and Warner is the record company. And they agree to use it. There's nothing the rest of the band can do about it because we don't own the song or the recording. That's showbiz. Tim, you know about that, living in Hollywood. Um, (laughs) Therefore, when you see dubious, or in this case, disgusting, uses of our music, you can thank the greed, insensitivity, and poor taste of Gordon Gano. It is his karma that he lost song... It is his karma that he lost his songwriting ability many years ago, probably due to his own lack of self-respect, as willingness to prostitute our songs demonstrates. Neither Gordon, parentheses vegetarian, nor me, parentheses gourmet, eat garbage like Wendy's burgers. I can't endorse them because I disagree with the corporate food on culinary, political, health, economic, and environmental grounds. However, I see my life's work trivialized at the hands of my business partner over and over again. Although I have raised my objections numerous times, <laughs> as disgusted as you are, I am more so. Wow. And that's from Victor DeLorenzo? No, that's from, yeah, that's from from Richie. That's from Brian Richie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah about See, that's what I've heard is that those two cannot talk yeah. to each other. But then they, they you know, apparently the greed, uh, you know, pulled through and they got back together yet again yeah, later. Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's still in the idea of like selling out, you know, which isn't really a thing anymore. I feel. Yo, you got any? You got any spots you like to go to uh, every time you tour? Uh, food wise yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> tim casher parentheses gourmet i'm uh, like i have to think of like anything besides wendy's i always go to wendy's but i can't say wendy's now right <laughs> well only if you want to trivialize your uh, life's yeah. work you know <laughs> i just gotta go get that wendy's chili and a baked potato Ooh, oh my god can't go wrong so with that wild. yeah yeah why isn't wendy's hitting you up the album of the year would be a perfect song you know do you know <laughs> to sell some chili <laughs> but yeah it's uh yeah i mean as someone who has toured the country multiple times so are there places that you look forward to to stop and buy when you're yeah, when you're in town i think so it doesn't have to be restaurants but it could be you know record stores or things like that mm-hmm. it's kind of blanking i'm kind of blanking on right now i always go to powell's books when i'm up in portland sure oh yeah you got it's like you can kill like, also- like two days there you also yeah. lived there for a while, right? Just for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, pretty short, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wild place. Mm-hmm. Um, the... I used to like to go to Amoeba, but now I like live where Amoeba is, and <laughs> now and now it's like I'm like less interested in Amoeba, and I want to. Uh, I, I'm like more interested in like these smaller record stores around yeah, LA. Right. Has, has you... Amoeba ever hit you up to do a what's in what's God, in your bag? <laughs> I did. I did do one once. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. What'd you? What would you choose? Yeah. What was in your uh, bag? Uh, I'd have to rewatch it. I don't know. I, 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 I did. I think I authentically just went with what I bought that day. Yeah, I, so I they like, do like. I don't know give if you guys watch that. I think people kind of like. I like it. I think it's fun, it, and I, I think they'll kind of like pick like records that are like they already own, and they'll be like, "Oh, yeah. this is." It's like I was like, "No, I'm gonna go with like." I'm going right. I go record shopping all the time, so I was like, "I'll yeah. just go record shopping today well, too." And the, this is what I happen to buy today. The thing is, they they like let you keep the stuff right like you can just do they charge you for that stuff <laughs> or I, do they, I think they let you take it with you right oh yeah they do okay. i just don't remember how it worked out yeah um i don't remember how what their system was but yeah there, it's like they they hook you up there are some real fun ones like full of hell was a really good one because like they're truly grabbing stuff you wouldn't expect like a 
brutal metal band to take you know like yeah. their heads about like weird obscure jazz records and shit and that's always fun when it's a little bit of a curveball yeah. yeah i'm trying to think who's i had one listen i think it might have been the full of hell one but there was like five or six records that i ended up like checking out because of it because it was so interesting uh it oh, was yeah. really cool but um actually that that's a great kind of wrap-up question though like what <laughs> do you keep up with new music do you like what have you been listening to lately uh any new bands that you have been checking out yeah so that question can be hard at certain times of year i have i'm like this is happens to be a great month for new music so i can it's easy because i'm like planning on going to the record store this weekend to pick up uh the new home is where record um oh, called the nice. whaler home is where is a great band i did some touring with them last year i invited them out though because i was already a, just a fan of theirs yeah um, no they do they do some cool stuff they're they're part of a the forefront of fifth wave emo i believe is oh the description goodness. is that where we are now uh, i think i think they're also kind of um the forebearers of describing what even fifth wave emo entails which okay. is funny so they're, they're, that's a uh, you know whatever we yeah we don't need to go off on what emo means but like <laughs> but home is where is like they're a great band and i don't think i'm somebody who necessarily um gravitates i don't really listen to things that are mm-hmm. emo uh you know i i, I mm-hmm. don't know i sure it depends on what people think emo is i guess you know yeah um but well, they, if home they, is where is emo then i love emo i guess they they have a great line in one of their songs <laughs> i think off their first ep that says uh cops are flammable if you believe or something like that <laughs> it's, it's such a good line <laughs> Uh, but also, uh, Military Gun just put a record out last week. Oh, it's so yeah, good. Yeah, that, man, it's yeah. great. So I'm going to pick that up. And then also, um, I'm a huge. My wife and I are huge fans of uh, Fontaine's DC. And uh, okay, there's the the singer songwriter that is named Green Chatton, and he has a record coming out this uh, Friday or cool. June 30th, I should say. I love the idea of you listening to Military Gun. That's that's a lot of fun. The oh man, about. that's a great record. They, yeah. They're they're fantastic musicians. I love Ian's other band, Regional Justice Center. Oh, they're I'll more in the power violence um oh, okay realm but it's it's a great i think it was a it was kind of a short-lived project i believe they did two records but mm. it was about his brother's incarceration oh. and it has a bunch of uh like little kind of clips in between the songs of like his phone calls with his brother in prison and oh, it's about like you know the you know the the idea of the prison complex system you know it's, it's really good though it's a really really good record cool. uh different vibe than military gun for sure but I, I do love that new kind of realm of hardcore adjacent almost like power pop it's hard to describe but like yeah. them drug church drain um drug church is great, yeah. yeah a lot of a lot of stuff in that in that world is it's a fun little i mean yes even turnstile too is kind of in that same uh-huh. Uh, you know, leagues leagues kind of apart at the moment in terms of media attention, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's been a cool era for for new hardcore. I think. Yeah, it's weird. I I know that Military Gun must kind of be hardcore something, but they don't. They also don't seem like it. Yeah, I mean, they have, they have the pedigree like, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I also like hardcore, and I and uh, yeah, you know, I think I'm just agreeing with you in a weird way of just like I don't know exactly what military military gun is. It seems so accessible to me, but yeah. then also seems so heavy and uh and aggressive. Yeah. But like so so but so like pleasing to the ear too. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I know accessible accessible can be a bad word, but I don't mean mm-hmm. it. I think this band's great. Like yeah. I think it's great that they're doing stuff that people are probably gonna really respond to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean it's it's different. I mean, I feel like uh 
especially with with anything that's like sort of heavier or aggressive um it's easy to see that it's like a challenging record for somebody who's only familiar with pop music or yeah. has you know doesn't listen to like the mm. subgenre or whatever well, that there's um, also an appeal but there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are getting into a lot of really cool music because yeah. of bands like military yeah. gun and you know well, and that's yeah. always been kind of the toss up and, and, and we it's should kind keep of, harder and keep them out of hardcore. Keep harder, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, there is that funny toss up of because I'm maybe more guilty than even most people, is the idea of like certain music, the appeal is its inaccessibility. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So like listening to something that is like like piss grave or something, like something completely brutal grindcore with a uh, you know, an album cover that was something from like rotten.com that like, mm. you know, you can't even show in a music, in a record store. Like there's so many levels of like, yeah, don't listen to this. And, you know, then putting it on is for the uninitiated is something is just like, would like make, you know, almost anybody want to like jump for that pause button. Uh, mm. And there's like an appeal to that. It's even like listening to bands like swans or something, you know, mm-hmm. for the uninitiated, it it's unlistenable in most situations. Uh, and there's like a fun to that, you know, and uh, yeah. Now with this new kind of thing, it's it is that blend of pop music with like this drive of the hardcore kind of behind it. I mean, that new Turnstile record's a great example, and the success they've been seeing out of that is another test of it. That it that music has places to go still, and people are uh, yeah, I people can, are finding new ways to do it. You know, I am like a major. Uh, m- major props toward uh or just like you know uh, i don't know why i'm not using my words the right way but uh turnstile is um that album is like so i think important oh uh, yeah just for i'm so like i personally like that record um i think it's a clever record i think it's interesting it's a really fun listen um but i am so excited about all of these teenagers who are listening to this it's just like this is good like yeah. keep you know like this i it, with all any conversations that are continue to go on about how like guitar rock is dead and blah 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 it's just so nice to uh to we all know that that's not true but um may, the greater masses kind of think it mm-hmm. is true you know yeah it's it's very fun too i actually just had this conversation the other day with my barber shout out zach if you're if he's a listener um but <laughs> We we were talking about Drain because uh, we were, he was actually playing the new Military Gun record while I was getting my hair cut, and we were talking about the because there was just a big tour that came through with Drain headlining, which is crazy, over mm. Drug Church mm. with like Magnitude and um, how was the other band that was also really really Combust I think was the other one, and it was just this really fun hardcore of that kind of very pop forward hardcore adjacent stuff, and the new Drain record is so fun it's like a summer record but with like heavy breakdowns that come out of nowhere and it's a lot a lot of fucking fun and all the imagery is like fun kind of cartoon bright color stuff that you don't associate it with hardcore and uh pat uh, patrick the singer of drug church on axe to grind was talking about like how the tour's been because they were specifically playing venues that didn't have um barricades like intentionally <laughs> seeking out, and they're like, "You're, we're sorry if we're not playing like the venue you prefer in your city, but they wouldn't let us play with the, without a barricade, and that's why we played this other place." Huh. And they kind of were talking about how like Drain is about to blow up so big that they wanted to have at least like one tour where they could like make their own rules 
and have a lot of fun and also looks good because like they're selling out the shows because we're playing smaller venues uh-huh. so then that really puts a pressure on people to get tickets or people to then see them next time and they like missed out on a good show and it, i thought it was a really unique kind of take to touring and like how to handle having like a hit record is just like no like this tour we're just gonna blow it out every night and anyone who was there is going to have the best night of their life. And anyone who wasn't there is definitely not going to miss it the next time we're in town. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was such a smart idea. And also, like, the footage coming out of, like, people just losing their mind every night is it's just good. It's just good marketing, you know? And uh, it, it was just a really interesting conversation. It's like, oh, no, they're doing it right. Like, they're still having yeah. a show for the heads. And then the next tour is the one that's going to really, like, catapult them even higher hmm. it was cool but that new drain record's a lot of fun you should definitely check it yeah, out yeah i'll have to hear it yeah yeah it's really interesting content dan thank you thank you that's what this podcast <laughs> is all about it's cultivating interesting content we're just we're fishing for for uh sound bites over here but uh but yeah no i mean tim this has been a fucking blast uh is there anything else we we need to say to put a cap on violent femmes uh we did it i think it's yeah great. I think we yeah. nailed it. Uh, uh, one more thing. Um, the album art. Oh. This was like the first time I'd ever seen the album art. Interesting. Um, and I read a story about the girl who's on the cover. Mm. Who was saying, I guess it was in maybe San Francisco. Um, there was a photographer. She was looking in a window and there was a photographer who, like, I guess paid her mother 200 bucks and like, can I take, a, can I take this picture? Um, and, and they kept telling her that there were animals inside the building. And like, as a child, she's like craning to try to see the animals that are inside the building. Um, and there's an interview with her later where she's like, and there were no fucking animals in the building. This whole thing was bullshit. <laughs> oh, I thought that was pretty, pretty That's funny. hilarious. That's nice. really good. That's my final uh, thought. But yeah, Tim, uh, plug what you got going on. Where can people find you? Where can people see you coming up? Uh, uh, let, it, let it loose. Yeah, just well, would, I think we said it at the top, didn't we? But I, but that uh, Good Life is doing some West Coast dates and some East Coast dates, and doing some West Coast dates in J- July. Uh, no, I'm sorry, it's actually August. It's like July into August, um, and then doing some East Coast dates uh, in October. Uh, we don't have a lot. Because because of our schedules we aren't able to do a lot of touring um it was really not easy just to even get these together so if anybody out there's interested in seeing us you should probably go now is that a little wink wink kind of because it's like it's really like uh or i mean just yeah just insofar as this tour is not gonna i don't see it extending or anything like that because it was pretty hard to uh get these shows together yeah um, and I so know, that's, that's reasonable uh, but we're glad we're excited about what we you know Hell yeah. we, feel, we feel bad because we're kind of missing the south but uh, i just don't think we're gonna i have a hunch it's gonna be difficult to uh find a time to do that so yeah that makes sense and uh what about this tour coming up uh solo uh it's not really a tour i'm just gonna do i'm just going out to uh play with uh yeah doing a solo set opening for uh thursday sparta and uh koyo is playing as well out at nice. starland ballroom in I it was a one-off nice. yes yeah. mm-hmm. what uh all right here here's a good question since me and andrew were both jersey boys <laughs> any favorite new jersey landmarks 
Oh, well, I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, what I would probably go with over like the typical like stone pony or something that people would generally say, although I do love the, um, pinball arcade around the corner. Ooh, from stone pony. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great tour stop back to tour stops. I always, mm-hmm. I always go there. Andrew um, got married in Asbury. Yeah, I say my wife and I got married, uh, sort of on that block. Oh, hell yeah. It's great. Hey, congratulations. Hey, I, I, I look back on that day fondly. <laughs> um, but I would go with, I don't think, I think it might not be, oh, be there anymore, but um, we used to love playing Maxwell's at Hoboken. Mm. Oh my God, Maxwell's was amazing. R.I.P. Maxwell's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I actually just posted something on our Instagram the other day that I saw this insane, it was the Slits, the like seminal oh, yeah. all-girl yeah. punk band mm-hmm. playing with this weird indie electronic band called the Apes, and then electro grindcore band genghis tron and they and that was a tour that toured the country <laughs> and i saw them at maxwell's and it was very loud man yeah, what a place that place is so many there's some really really interesting like live videos from there on on youtube that people should check out just crazy bands you wouldn't expect to play the back room of a bar I did my longest show I've ever played, and it was a good life set at Maxwell's. I don't even know what happened, but I will just say <laughs> that I was so drunk, and I just like commanded the microphone for hours. <laughs> and everyone I, stayed and hung out. I can't believe it. I love but, that. I mean, we were, I don't know if it was like a three-hour show. Maybe it, was, well, maybe it was a four-hour show. I don't even know. Ten-song um, uh, encore? I was just going off. No, I was just chatting. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, and then we we played a lot of songs too. I'm sure, but that's amazing. I hope there's I, a video I, of that somewhere. Are I you normally a chatty guy on stage? Um, if I'm feel if I'm getting loose and stuff, I'd be. I would love to just like go off and just kind of, yeah. But uh, I try less and I try to do that less and less now because, um, our catalogs for anything I'm doing, like the catalogs are getting bigger and bigger, and you mm-hmm. just kind of try to. You want to try to um honor as much of it as you can for as many people out there who want to hear something from what a given thing you know uh we still kind of fail at it um at that but uh you try and so i try to get myself to talk less because uh but yeah i do have i I appreciate the older um audience members out there who i tend to be like talk you know instead of like play a song it's like talk (laughs) (laughs) have you thought about starting a podcast (laughs) or you just come back on ours you know you're always welcome Um, what's the what's the um how do people find your patreon oh uh it's called tim casher's home phone oh i like that that's cool and home phone was a band that i started uh, during the pandemic and it was just oh. uh, it's just all like home recordings uh nice but so it is um home phone songs uh but then it's also just uh i've been slowly like leaking out like all the unreleased slow down virginia songs that um slow down virginia was the band in the 90s that we did before Mm -hmm. cursive um so i've been releasing those and just like so many um uh you know like we were talking earlier about earlier just like all the stuff that i've been writing for the last 40 years that um never made it onto a record so have you ever covered a violent femme song oh yeah um the good life used to do uh good feelings Oh, shit. Feeling, I should okay. say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We used to do that on we did that on tour. I don't think we ever recorded it though. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Uh well you can follow our Patreon at uh patreon.com slash run to the ground. You get two extra episodes a month plus custom playlists. Um I believe by the time this one comes out, we'll have our uh, July fourth patriotic songs playlist, which is which is a lot of fun. <laughs> uh <laughs> we've been trying to do some themed ones. 
Uh, you can follow me at Dambassini on Twitter and Instagram, dambassini.com. Running low on books. Uh, so get your copy of No Invite Volume 10 out now. I think I have like 18 copies left. So uh, don't wow. sleep on that. Uh, and some of the other ones, uh, like I still feel it in Cruel Summer. I'm down to like single digit copies. So that rips. definitely don't. Uh, you. If you're thinking about buying it, uh, <laughs> do it before it's, before it's too late. Hmm. Good uh, for you. Andrew, what, what do you got to plug? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at run in the number two, the ground, uh, follow us on Instagram. Um, every Tuesday we release an episode and you can find out first at run into the ground. Um, we post a lot of memes. The stories have been good. Yeah. You know, we got to shout out Justin Cox as well for, uh, helping us set this up. You know, what a sweet man. What a sweetie. That was such a fun episode. I hope we get to have him on again. Yeah, yeah, but shout shout him out for uh for putting us all in touch. This is a lot of fun. Oh yeah, match made in heaven. Uh, and everyone else, rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff on the on the pod. We love doing it. Uh, the Patreon's five bucks a month. Don't be cheap. Uh, and uh, yeah, if if you if you are cheap, rate, review, and subscribing is free. Tell a friend. Take your mm-hmm. mom's phone and give us five stars. Uh, yeah, play us in your girlfriend's car while she drives you to. Uh, pick up cigarettes at the gas station uh <laughs> Man, fucking weird thing to say let's get out of here i'm done with you all right tim absolute pleasure this is a fucking blast uh and uh everybody else bye-bye yeah thanks y'all bye-bye